0: What's happening this week on your favorite soap operas? It's time to talk about all the daytime drama on Soap Central Live with Dan J. Kroll. Get ready for the latest
1: soap news, scoops, recaps, and interviews with your favorite daytime stars. Now, here's Dan. Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of Soap Central Live. I am your host, Dan Kroll. It is Friday, August 15th, 2014. We are halfway through the month of August. 2014 is just zipping by. I don't know where the time has gone. It seems like we were just doing our 2014 preview episode way back in January, but no one that I know has said that 2014 is a slow Year. In fact, everyone seems to be questioning, where is the time gone? Before you know it, we will be doing our look back at 2014, picking our best and worst. And because the year is zipping by so quickly, we are on vacation this week. We are still recovering. I say we like there's a whole lot of people. I am still recovering from the Hot as Hell 2.0 Web Series Fan Festival in Palm Springs. If you were not able to join us in Palm Springs... And if you missed our hour-long live broadcast from Hot as Hell, fear not, you can check it out in our archives at SoapCentralLive.com. It's there for you to listen to and enjoy at your leisure, or leisure, as some folks will say. It's completely free to do so. You can download it. You can stream it. Again, go to SoapCentralLive.com. But because we are on a break, I thought, what better show to do this week than an update show on some of our most memorable guests? And there is no guest that is being talked about more right now and possibly all in 2014 than The Young and the Restless' Michael Muni. As you may recall, as 2013 ended, Soap fans were in shock that The Young and the Restless had decided to let go of Emmy-nominated Michael Muni. And then sometime later, reports surfaced in the media of some alleged improprieties behind the scenes... And the chatter exploded, and from there we are to where we are right now, with the Young and the Restless working to recast the role of Adam Newman. They've started the search back in March and apparently have had little in the way of success. But just this week, Michael Muni broke his silence about the matter on Twitter, saying that he will not be returning to the role of Adam Newman on The Young and the Restless. In fact, in his statement, he said, I just got an official call. Although well, things got very close. I will not be returning to y That part of my life is over. Moving on. I was hopeful for a return, but now I'm hopeful for the future. Now you'll just have to promise to tune in to my future projects. One of those future projects is an upcoming holiday film with Gloria Loring, who is a Days of Our Lives vet, who's also been here on Soap Central Live. But I thought we would take a listen To Michael Muni's one and only appearance here on Soap Central Live. It goes all the way back to December 2011. We got to know a little bit more about Michael, how he got to The Young and the Restless, and there were some surprises from two of his Y&R co-stars, uh, very interesting interview. So while we are relaxing and getting back up to speed for a brand new show coming up next week, let's take a listen to this vintage episode of Soap Central Live and an interview with Michael Muni. Now, I don't want to get involved in any sort of copyright infringement. So let's just say that my guest this week is one of the most intriguing or, dare I say, Soapsational people of the year. He plays a character that fans either hate to love or love to hate. But there's so much more to know about Michael Muni than just the character he plays on TV. And hopefully today we can unlock some of those mysteries. So, Michael Muni, welcome to Soap Central Live. Thank
2: you very much, Dan. I'm glad to be here.
1: All right. Now, Michael, this may surprise you, but we can't always believe everything that we read on the internet so <laughs> in doing some of the research for today's show i've come across some things that i thought i'd at the top of the show give you a chance to sort of debunk or say that they're they're absolutely accurate are you ready for this
2: i am indeed ready i am an open book hello everyone by the way and thanks for to all who are uh, who are listening I, I i love opportunities like this to uh, to kind of reach out and sort of um give back to the folks who uh, are so supportive of this genre that we're in, this, this medium that, uh, that some say are dying. But uh, I happen to think that, that um, we're, we're getting stronger. It's just, it's just going to take some time. We're going through a bit of a revolution. So thanks to you all for, for being there, and I really appreciate your support.
1: Well, you know, that's one of the things that a lot of people have been asking. And I know that when folks call in in just a bit, that's probably uh, one of the things that they're going to want to get your opinion on the the future of daytime. So we'll save that for some of the fans. But one of the things that caught my attention is that according to Wikipedia, which may or may not be an accurate source, it says that at the age of 16, you won a state championship in a one act play competition. Is that true? Yes,
2: that's true. Um, in, in, uh, in high school, I was uh, I was I got into the drama um, department by way of breaking my leg, largest bone in your body, my femur, um, in football in Texas, and uh, so I started taking um, more electives that were in the fine arts department. I was planning on being a lawyer, and I was already taking debate classes and was in my advanced placement English classes and whatnot. And I just got the bug for uh, for theater, and it, it was. Uh, a play called Welcome to Carney, and then uh, one flew over the cuckoo's nest where I played Jack Nicholson's role, Randall P. McMurphy, and I, I finally, that was it for me. I was in love, love at first sight, and uh, got lucky enough, was fortunate enough to win win the state championship and in, uh, in the play that we put up, and then traveled all the way to Austin and competed against all the schools in the entire state, and um, kind of went from there.
1: Well, it's interesting uh, that you mentioned that you had had another path that you had considered becoming a lawyer. Do you have any regrets? Do you think if things had been different and you'd have gone on the path and become a lawyer, that you think you'd have been happy with that?
2: Uh, I think I would have been very happy with that. Um, I feel like uh, I can, uh, I, you know, I'm certainly not intimidated, and I, I feel like I'm articulate and uh, 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 certainly not shy. Um, and and I love procedural law, and I love uh, I love the English language and studying English, and uh, I love history, and I think all of that sort of history and using precedent from past cases and things like that, it would have been phenomenal to be a trial lawyer, um, but uh, I don't have any regrets, um, because I, I, I think that really what I do for a living and have done for a living for um, 14 years now, 14 years in a row, I've been fortunate enough straight out of college to just be on one show and another and another and another um is basically breaks it down to uh you know we're all kids we like to play cops and robbers cowboys and (laughs) indians princes and princesses play doctor do all that stuff but at some point we all grow out of it and we're all you know looked upon as silly for continuing to play pretend and and here i never had to really grow out of it i i get paid to play pretend um every week and i get in someone else's shoes and someone else's clothes and i get to be a different person in a different life with different problems and highs and lows and it's uh you know I'm just basically a, a child that's six foot two
1: well some folks haven't gotten out of playing doctor but that might be an entirely <laughs> different show uh
2: so yeah that's, uh, that's we'll leave that for another another day
1: <laughs> that might be the show coming up after this one uh so we, we talk about okay there was the lawyer then to finding the passion for acting I'm sure a lot of folks are wondering how then did your path take you to our wonderful world of daytime television
2: uh, uh, because I was actually let go from a very, 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 I don't know if I've even talked about this before. Um, the reason, um, I think the main reason that I'm on, uh, The Young and Restless is because I was fired from, uh, NCIS. Um, it was an accidental firing. It was a regret, a regrettable firing. But what happened was, um, I tested for, um, for NCIS, the pilot, when it was just a pilot. It was a spinoff episode of JAG and... Uh, I was set to be the lead, um, uh, played by, uh, oh God, what's his name? Michael, uh, Michael, um, he's the the second lead to, uh, Mark Harmon's character. God, I cannot think of his name. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, anyway, it was between he and I, and they wanted to go a little older, so they gave him the role and, and they just, um, they handed me this other lead role, um, and the pilot. And uh, we filmed the pilot, and I was a JAG lawyer, and they were all sort of FBI kind of agents, um, all wearing uh, regular civilian clothes, and I was the only uniformed uh, character. And we we filmed the two-episode spinoff and with all the JAG characters and all the NCIS characters, and my character was going to be tightly wound up with uh, the Polly Peretz character, um, blah, 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 so on and so forth. Uh, the network raved about it, uh, about the show, they loved it, and then when we were picked up to go a season, I got a phone call from Bellis, Mr. Belisario, who is basically the Mr., the, the Bill Bell of, of um, JAG and NCIS and Magnum PI. He, uh, he said, my heart's breaking to, to give you this phone call, but, but the decision has been made to pick the show up, but they don't want it to look anything like JAG at all and you're the only person who has a character that looks like Jag. Wow. And, and uh, so we're going to have to let you go from the show, and that show still is on the air to this day. Apparently, some of the people who were in that room when I tested for that show fell in love with me enough and were as excited enough about me becoming a part of the network and whatever that they never forgot that screen test. And I was told that my name was bounced around and thrown out there um, to be offered the part of Adam Newman. Um, by those same people who were in that room that I, you know, was on a job that I got fired from. So um, if it weren't for me doing the NCIS pilot, I would not have even been on the radar, I think, to have been offered uh, the role of Adam Newman.
1: So it's one of those things that sometimes what we think might be uh, where we want to go, it may not necessarily be what uh, is in store for us, and things work out the way that they're supposed to, I guess. Yeah, it was the one door closing, another door opens kind of a thing, so... Well, it's not just the folks that were in that room that love you. There are fans who we have waiting on the lines, and I'm going to try to take as many as we can. So for folks, if you're listening and you're on the line, we're going to try to keep you to one question so we can try to get through to as many callers as possible. We're going to take a trip to Ohio for Brandy. Brandy, welcome to Soap Central Live. Hi. Hey, Brandy.
3: Hey, how are you?
1: I'm um, Good. Thank
2: you how
3: are yeah, that's you Good, good. Um I just want to let you know I've been watching this show since I was a teenager i'm thirty eight um my kids even watch it with me when they get home from school. <laughs> um My question is what who would you say you look up the most to as far as actors or actresses?
2: <laughs> um, well, I think in the entire industry, it's it's got to be up there with uh, with the Daniel Day-Lewis's and the Marlon Brando's. But I, I, I just for some reason, I think my soft spot goes goes all the way to, to Paul Newman. There's just something about Old Blue Eyes. He, yeah. that, that guy's a he's he's a he's a hero on and off the uh, the set. So I, I I I mean, I have several people I look up to, but
3: right.
0: he,
2: he comes to mind particularly.
3: Uh, well, I just want to say I love you on the show. I'm glad you got fired from NCIS. <laughs> and um, hit me up on Twitter. I want you to follow me. I love you.
0: <laughs>
2: All right, Brandy, say hi to me on Twitter. I'll make sure I say hi back. I'll keep an eye Thank out for you. you. All right, hon. Bye.
1: We are going to keep in Ohio and take a call from Karen. Karen, welcome to Central Live.
3: Thank you. Hi, Michael. Hey, Karen. I was wondering how you separate your acting life from your real life.
1: Uh, it's a good question actually
2: I um, I think I start to become Adam in my car on the drive down the hill into Hollywood um, as I'm winding down that road and and uh, I, I, I kind of feel myself get more tense more um, uh, methodical and just sort of a guy who's angling at all times so by the time I'm pulling on the CBS lot which I'm on right now I'm sitting here in my dressing room I um, I feel like I I start to kind of ramp up and become him, but the second that it's a wrap for the day um, and I'm walking back to my dressing room, I kind of feel this lightness on my chest. I just kind of take a deep breath and I'm walking back down the hallway to my room and and I'm I'm me again and I get to go hug my kids and I get to go, you know, um, just be me and I don't have the the pressure of the world that that, uh, Adam Newman does, Uh, but it's... It is an interesting journey that I have to take when I'm at work every day. It's not just a guy who gets in front of a camera and says lines. I mean, I really kind of have to live it, so to speak.
3: Yeah. Okay. Well, nice talking to you. Merry
0: Christmas and in New York.
1: Thank you. Same to you. Uh, it was nice Thank talking you. to you. Enjoy the Thanks. show.
0: Thanks, Karen.
1: Thank we are going to keep the calls coming. We're going to go to North Carolina to talk to Shelly. Shelly, welcome to Soap Central Live.
0: Hi, thank you for taking my call. Hey,
1: I have
0: oodles of respect for Michael. The way he stepped into the role of Adam at such a important juncture in the character's tenure on the show was just amazing. <laughs> and my question for him would be, what one characteristic of Adam do you find the most humanizing?
2: Ooh, it's a very uh, good question. that's a really good question Shelley. um and thank you for the compliment uh yeah it was um it was quite an interesting um situation to jump into um i I don't think that I just got thrown into the deep end of the pool playing Adam at at the point the pivotal point in that storyline. I was thrown into a deep end of the pool that just happened to be fully loaded with sharks swimming around um so I didn't expect to make anything out alive. I just figured I'll have a good swim and and then I'll get out and and move on um but uh it has been it's been quite a fun journey and i really really appreciate all the people who first sort of took me in and and really enjoyed what i did and then the folks who hated the the, the hell out of me uh who've come around and and kind of seen seen some growth and some movement and whatever um you know there's a, there's a few folks out there here and there that are that are never going to come around and are going to hold on to what they do but that's part of life i can't i don't think i can have as many lovers without having some haters too that's going to be all a part of it but i really Really appreciate that, um, and and the question of what humanizes Adam the most, I at this particular point in the storyline and where I sort of feel the characters developed, I I, I like to play my, the most fun that I have where my playground is, so to speak, is in between the lines. So I'll have certain lines, and you know, by the time we get it to air and we're filming something you know lines are changed and things are tweaked and we cut this and we add that and i'm adding this and cutting that and blah 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 but the most work i think that gets done is in between each line it's those pauses those moments that soaking that stuff in and i think there's a lot of stuff that sort of saturates uh where when it comes to adam and his father victor i think that there's there's a love hate there. There's a wanting to be appreciated, wanting to be loved, but also wondering why he's not, and what is it that you know? And, and, and maybe at times feeling like, well, there's nothing I can do to ever win him over anyway. So I might as well not try. If anything, nah. I can just be on his radar and I can get his attention, um, even if it's negative attention. So I'll cause trouble. You know, it's it's it's. The, I think that that dynamic between his his father, where he's trying to find himself through his father, and I, I try and find moments of humanity. Like that uh, uh, quite often.
0: Well, so thank you so much, Shelley. The loudest, actually, with the character for you. I'm sorry. The silence, the, the in between.
2: Oh yeah.
0: The unspoken. So, absolutely, yeah, well, I, I agree. That's, that's
2: that's what I that's what I like, and it it tends to make a lot of actors nervous to, to have that silence, to have that awkward moment, and that's kind of where I, I, I relish that. I I want the silence. I want the beats that are in between the lines. I don't think you know Jimmy Stewart arguably wasn't the best actor that ever walked the planet and um, he's one of my favorites uh but he had a quote that said I don't know how something along the lines of I don't know if I'm a good actor I don't even know how how to be an actor I just know how to react and that's a lot of you know what I like to do too it's it's not just about what you're throwing down it's about what you're getting back in return and how you how you take it in so good well, question, thank you so much thank for you.
1: calling Shelley. Uh, One of the things that we sort of got to in that, Michael, was uh, that there are some folks who may never particularly like a character because uh, they see them as bad, and there are others who love characters that are good. But one of the things that I've noticed in some of your other interviews is that you don't want to say that Adam is either good or bad. You say that he sort of falls into that gray area. Can you explain a little bit more about that?
2: Yeah, well, you know, um, I think that in terms of just being an act, being being someone who plays any kind of a part, um, if you have to play a vanilla role or you have to play the dark mustache twirling, you know, character, um, you're going to be predictable because when basically a definition of a vanilla character or the dark character is their predictability. When it comes to a vanilla character, you can say to yourself, you can pause your TiVo in the middle of a scene and you can go, all right. He's a vanilla character. He's going to do the right thing. So in any situation I'm about to watch, when I press play here, I can predict what's going to happen because he's a good character and he's going to do the right thing in the end. And with the the dark characters, you can pause your TiVo and you can say, all right, in this scenario, like every scenario, he will always do the bad thing, the wrong thing, and thus becomes predictable. But it's that gray character in the middle that you don't know what he's going to do. Is he going to decide this time to do the right thing or is he going to this time decide to do the wrong thing? And with that unpredictability I think comes a lot of excitement and I think Comes uh, the anticipation from viewers who can sit on the edge of their seat and go, uh, you know, they might be screaming, rooting for for Adam to do the wrong thing this time because they want him to take Victor down and just do it. Or maybe there's people out there screaming and hollering to finally make the right decision, do right by Sharon, do you know, apologize to Ashley, blah blah blah, whatever he's going to do. And and if he does or doesn't do it, it's it's that unpredictability, in my opinion, that that can make him interesting. Um, let me see here. I have a uh, a quote. That's written down by Alfred Hitchcock, and it's about gray characters. I love it. Okay, he says, villains are not all black, and heroes are not all white. There are grays everywhere. And that's from Alfred Hitchcock. So I think since the beginning of storytelling, but since the beginning of cinema and whatnot, the, the greats have always sort of appreciated and embraced the gray characters, knowing that those are the most interesting
1: it certainly, I think, certainly is true. Now, in all of that, uh, you know, we look at certain things and how characters are written and how they are developed. I'm curious, do you ever uh, wonder what Adam's mother, Hope, might think of what her son has become?
2: Yeah, and I think that uh, that's that's a part of what sort of tears inside of Adam and can create that introspection, you know, for him, is is that idea that, that um, you know, on, on certain days, he can say to himself, well, she's not here to uh, to be d- disappointed in me, so it doesn't matter, and he can just go on his tear. Uh, and other times, he, you know, that guilt can overtake him, and it can be this idea that ha- how disappointed in me would she be if she were here? Um, and should I, you know, but but then, you know, as, as the characters developed and time has gone on, you've got this guy who, of course, walks around, you know, Genoa City saying to himself, I have a mother who I put up on a pedestal my whole life, and was a hero to me. And she was so strong and so brave with the condition that she had, and, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But now, as an adult, I get to look back and realize that the person that I put on a pedestal lied to my face and denied me my own father, and told me that another man was my father, and never even gave me the opportunity to understand, embrace, or or interact with Victor Newman. And so. Why would you deny me that? Why Why would you... Is he such an awful creature that I can't even know him and he can't know me as a boy? Um, and, and what's wrong with me? What was so bad about me that my father was not allowed to be near me? Uh, so to have been lied to in that way and then, you know, his anger with his father of like... Why, why his biological father? Why, why would you not have looked at my mother and said you're crazy you're insane you don't want Adam around you uh, around me but i'm not going to listen to you i want to, it's my son and i want to have a relationship with him why would he just give it up why, why am i this piece of trash that was just thrown about And you know, and and lied to, and used as a sort of a pawn in this game of other people and their egos and their interpretations of what was best for me. So I think he has a lot of anger and a lot of frustration and a, a huge amount of heartbreak. From his, the two people in your life who you're supposed to be the most protected from, your mother and your father, were the two biggest liars to him, and they deceived him, and they told him he was something he wasn't, and they, you know, he he was neglected in that way, and I think that that really, really eats at him, and uh, and I let that sort of help make Adam tick, um, because I think that would affect someone as as cerebral as Adam. It's, it's something that he just couldn't stop thinking about and, and trying to, f- to figure out. you know. And, and because she's not here, he can't ask her about it, and it's, it's well, just going to chew away at him.
1: That's not necessarily true. We actually have Signe Coleman on the line to work this out with you right now. Signe, welcome to the Soap Central Live.
0: Hi, Dan and Michael. How are you? Hey, how are you? I'm well, my dear sweet son. <laughs> so he's got, we've got uh, some my,
1: anger uh, here that we need uh, to work out. Yes, quite my goodness. I,
0: I, I wish we'd been able to process that while, while I was still around. Um, I, I think in Hope's defense, um, mothers will go to any length to protect their children, and I really believe in her heart of hearts that she felt that she was doing the best thing um, for Adam, you know, Victor Jr., by keeping him away from a world um, that she felt um, had a lot of pretense and, and uh, you know, a, a strong sense of, you know, it was very false. Um, she was living under his roof. She had come back and um, without even telling Hope, uh, he eloped with another woman and came back married. And that was sort of the final straw that, bro- I mean, obviously, this was after they had been divorced, um, just the final straw that, you know, that sort of broke the camel's back. And, She made it very clear to him that she would not allow, you know, that type of behavior to be imposed upon her precious son. And I really believe that she felt she was doing what was best, and I think that was a tremendous struggle for her um, because of the moral principles by which she lived her life. Um, But when children are involved, you know, you will do anything to protect them. You will. And I think that we've
1: just written I a storyline here. I
0: that there would be uh, a time that would come that um, you know that that, that anger, which is of course justified, I understand that to be raised in an, an environment where you think it's you know it's it's one thing and then it's actually quite another. And the people who are uh, you know your, your 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 greatest teachers have deceived you. I understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it, I almost, that she had all good intentions in
2: doing that. I almost wish that I had that I had you here as a, I mean, as long as we're going to embrace um, the soap genre, had you here as, as a ghost that I can sort of question and confide in uh, right. it, it, from time right. to time. Because I think that Adam's biggest question where it regards his mother is, is why? Why? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I remember w- uh, me personally when I was 15, uh, 16, my parents got divorced and and I remember being angry at both of them, and it was that it, you know even though they were making the right decision for themselves, and my younger siblings and I were all being affected by it, and in, in, in the long run it was it was better for our family, and and uh, you know but I was very angry with my parents, and they were always very very careful to to do the best thing they could to protect the kids, but at the same time you know there's that sense of the child looking up at the parents saying like you never asked right. me you never you know you never gave me the option to disagree with you and 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 you know and maybe have had that exposure that you thought i couldn't handle you know anyway, so so right. i I'm, i i wish we could have, we could play that kind of dynamic well, and kind I of listen
0: i agree and i and I, I i know that you know and of course michael we both know that that you know the, the greater the villain the greater the redemption eventually and you play it so well and your you you know you're very subtle undertones and overtones you know you are just amazing at what you do what you allow to come through and your and your and in your inner turmoil and your struggle which we all have in our in our you know in our lives and our right. you know, in our daily lives and choices that we make you know good bad indifferent um but I, I, I you know children also feel they're, they feel that there that you know there's that psychological side of you know what's my responsibility. I mean, there's a lot of guilt that goes along with it. My parents got separated in divorce when I was nine, and I was devastated. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was like this doesn't happen to me. It happens to other people. It doesn't happen to us. Right. And and my family really became very fractured after that, and it was a very big emotional scar. And, and believe me, I understand that. And all the questions of well, how come I don't have a say in this? Wait a second. So. I think something that was so difficult and tragic to hope and, and you know, on her deathbed, the point of of trying to seal that relationship between the two of you, Mm -hmm. of making you promise, of making Victor promise that the two of you would take care of each other was to try and have some sort of redemption because she never had the opportunity, you know, to, to have that time with you to say, look, these are the reasons why I did this.
2: Yeah, and I she think that's no actually... had no idea that
0: she would go as quickly as she did.
2: Right, and I, I think that's actually um, why um, why I choose to, I agree with you, I think that's why I choose to play the character uh, as still having his mother on a pedestal, because in the mm-hmm. end, even in the worst of times as she was dying, you know, Adam got this exposure of a, of a woman who was trying to bring two men, two very hardened alpha men together and say, you know... Fight through this and love each other and do this for me and whatnot. Um, so it was so so so. I think that's the thing I go back to. You know, it's funny. Um, I just uh, I, this week, I played a scene uh, and I wanted to play some extra beats in an extra moment, just looking at a picture of you. And, and I and I did it by choice because I wanted to sort of. I, I just I want that ever-present issue of of his mom being the person who almost makes him stop in his tracks, wherever he's doing, wherever he's going, and just sort of, like, take in what he is and who he is and who his mom wants him to be, you know?
0: Well, also, yes. you know, you have to know, um, you know, and, and developing hope throughout the years, you know, and the way that I was, you know, fortunate enough to do, um, her love for you, her child, and Victor was, the, you know, the one and only great love in her life. So these are the two men that she loved. But, of course, there's no question about a parent's love, in you know, in regards to other relationships in life. Mm-hmm. Um, her love for you was, was so strong and, and, you know, and just so binding that she would have done anything to protect you and keep you safe. And, of course, as parents, we make mistakes right and left. We think we're doing the best thing possible mm-hmm. when here's this separate entity, this separate human being with all these ideas and thoughts and, you know, this completely separate person with all their, you know, character, you know, characteristics and, and some of them positive and some of them defects and all of these things that you can't possibly begin to fully understand unless you're living in that person's skin.
2: Very true. Um, yeah.
0: And I think that she really hoped, yeah, no pun intended, I've, you know, <laughs> that her yes. wish was that she would have had the time to do that and to, to explain to you you know, from her her you know, very much from her heart center, why she made the choices that she did.
1: Right. And, well, Signe, and, I, want to, um, and I want to I want to thank God, you for you know uh, just for calling and in I always
0: play the character that way that you know the moment that your name or you stepped into the room, she lit up you know, yeah. just her love and passion for you and wanting all good, wonderful things for you. Um and I think she knew that as I said, that the day would come when But what it's done for you is created this incredible turmoil as a character that it can feed you, you know, that anger can really feed you and you play it so brilliantly. I mean, you really do. And the same thing between you and, you know, between you and Eric, my God, I mean, it's electric. You can, (laughs) it shoots out of the television, you know, your (laughs) hands on end.
2: Well, thank you. That that um, means a lot. It's really
0: fun to watch what you guys are doing. But I think it's, you know, I've had fans say to me, why, you know, why don't you, Come back. Why couldn't you come back as a ghost and guide him more? Because, you know, you were such a, you know, such a a, a powerful and, you know, morally conscious, you know, conscious person. And I said, hey, you know, you got to ride into the show. You got to let him know how you feel. You know, well, there's, Sydney, there's I want to, to have I want now.
1: to, uh, Thank you However for calling. But out, certainly Michael, before you, know,
0: you, you, you know, it's oh, just know you amazing to watch you work. It's really a
2: pleasure. Well, thank you, thank you. It's. Uh, I, I hope and look forward to working with you in the future as well. I well hope Sydney, so. before we let that you go, uh,
1: I know that last time you were here, we were talking about your work on the web series River Ridge, and I know that there's some stuff coming up, some exciting news. Oh about, my God! Like over share. the moon.
0: We have. Um, we finally. We, we weren't sure where we wanted to, to call our home and, uh, Stuart St. James and Todd Fisher, who I just absolutely adore. I am just, uh, you know, they're, they're just amazing human beings. We have, um, found a home with the SFN Entertainment Network and we're actually premiering River Ridge January 13. We're partnering with, uh, we're gonna air simultaneously with, uh, Devanity's Michael Caruso, who is another fabulous wonderful human being. I mean, we're really, these people are really building a community and um, and a tribute to, uh, you know, the soaps that have, have, you know, are no longer with us, the soaps that are being discontinued and the soaps that are are still presently, um, you know, of course, so near and dear, young and the restless. Um, So it's really, really exciting and the fans are just over the moon. I mean, you know, the Twitter and the Facebook has just been exploding and we've got, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of uh, fans just, it's just really all exciting. I'm sorry, I'm sort of blithering. I just can't tell you've i been walking on clouds for days. So, um, you know, and, and and Michael, I just, um, you know, I, I, I watch your work and I think, uh, you know, my, my prayer is that, um, you know, we create something, Young and the Restless, of course, as we all know, it is just. I can never say enough about it. Bill Bell Sr. was such a, such an amazing human being. And Maria Bell, I have such respect for all of the Bells. And, you know, Maria has such a fond place for her in my heart. Um, But we hope to do tribute to the work that you are doing now. I mean, it just... And I know how difficult it is to play a villainous character. I played a number of them myself. And, you know, sometimes fans... Uh, you know they they sort of don't know it. You know where where real life ends and, and a character begins. So I know that it can be sort of difficult when when uh, when you get particular fan mail or something. But you really do it so beautifully, and I love um, I just love the layers that you've created and what you allow to sort of peek through um, because you are absolutely a, a product of hope as well. And, um, and, you know, it's amazing what pain can do to us and the way that it can drive us in sort of negative directions. So um, I hope to honor, you know, the shows that are, are, are present here with, uh, with what we're creating. But, um, yeah, River Ridge, Friday the 13th, January 13th, we're premiering, 7 o'clock Pacific time. And, and I hope some of the rest of the fans will tune in as well.
1: Well, thanks um, so much for calling so in, Sydney. I really appreciate
2: it. Signy thank you very much. Your words mean quite a lot. I really appreciate what you, oh, what
0: Michael, you said. Oh, Michael, I feel the same way about you. And what a, what an amazing honor it was to do the work that we were able to do. Albeit, you know, only a couple of episodes, but it was really a pleasure to do it.
2: Well, thank and, you. And uh,
0: I look forward to seeing your continued fantastic work.
2: Thank you very, very much. And good luck with your uh, with River Ridge.
1: Well, we've got more folks who would like to speak to you. Since we're working things out, let's try to maybe work things out on the relationship front by bringing in the very lovely Sharon Case. Sharon, welcome to Soap Central Live.
3: Hello. Hi, everybody.
1: <laughs> Sharon.
3: <laughs> Michael, hi. <laughs>
1: What's
2: up, girl?
3: I just I just sort of butted in on your interview at the last minute today.
2: No, I think it's awesome. It's hilarious. I would... I, as if I don't get enough of you here at work, right?
3: I know, now you need to talk to me later when you're doing your interview, too. I was going to just be silly and call in with a funny question, and then it ended
2: up that I was actually, like, really calling in. Really? <laughs> no, I, thought, do a I, thought, I thought, yeah, she's just kidding around. Oh, wait, she's I, actually going to call in. That's crazy. <laughs> I
3: couldn't think of anything silly. I asked the fans, and most people, or like some people commented, of course, we should ask you, who's your favorite kisser?
2: Yeah. Um, well, I think that... Uh, <laughs> The Jeannie that, Cooper cutout? Yeah, seriously. I mean, really, I mean, I've, I've what? I've kissed you, Michelle, Vale, who was the, who played Heather, Eden, who played Heather, and then Laura, who played Sky. And I, I have to say that you guys all pale in comparison to making out with Jeannie Cooper. Um, her cardboard <laughs> cutout is good, but the real live Jeannie Cooper, that woman can kiss. She's well, good. She's
3: been doing it longer, you know? <laughs>
2: exactly. I think she invented <laughs> kissing. I'm pretty sure I'm like 1712.
3: I'll have to take a lesson. Start watching your scenes.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll have her stand in in a scene where you and I might have to kiss in the future. We'll just have her stand in, and
3: I'll have she, her be my stand in. Yeah. yeah,
2: she can. She can. <laughs> she can show you how it's done. Jeannie's so great. So Sharon, let me ask you: How much fun do you have working with this amazing person <laughs> named Michael Muni?
3: He's a delight. He has changed all of the energy in the studio. He's just. He's breathed new life into that building and into, I think, the show and my character and you know just how my day goes. I have so much fun working with him. He's, he's got such great fun energy.
2: Oh, now you, you get all serious on me and I'm I'm getting all like emotional now. Well, You're a sweetheart. You
0: know, well, true. I,
2: I knew I was coming in this building with energy. I just hoped that. Um, my cast members would embrace the energy that I have, you know, and the kind of person that I am and the ideas that I have because, you know, we got to be movers and shakers if we want to make this show successful for the future, you know.
3: Absolutely. We we do, and, and a lot of the energy we put into our scenes and our characters comes from, you know, what you bring in in the morning, what you bring into the building when you get there, and, and yours is such, you have so much fun when you're yeah. doing your scenes, even if you're doing a serious scene.
2: Yeah, and you know, I mean, for people listening, Sharon and I will right before certain scenes. You know, we're sitting in uh, either or dressing room and and you know, kind of discussing what we want to do and what kind of energy if we want to go in and 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 hit it hard or if, if we want to come in and sort of beat around the bush with certain things. And and so there's there's always um, the, the compliment that I give you, Sharon, and I'll I'll tell folks is that um, you know, a, to your credit, someone who's been playing a part for. Almost two decades um, you would think that one would start to lose their their um, excitement uh, and their hunger to continue to make things to develop things and you uh, you always are excited for new ideas and to do new things and and uh, to give you know something fresh in, in each scene and not just show up film your scenes collect your paycheck go home and live your life so. Um, credit credit to you and 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 the other the other folks that I work here with. I'm very surprised at everyone's enthusiasm with you know at working and it's it's great. It's a fun place to to work.
3: Yeah, it is. This I is, agree. Uh, Most, that's how people are there. People are very interested. The actors are very interested in doing their best with their character and their scene every day. And and yeah, I'm always looking for something new or fun we can bring to the screen. And Michael is full of really great ideas.
1: Well, the question, there's a question on Twitter that, uh, it has just exploded now. Uh, folks want to know from either of you, are you surprised by the reaction that fans have had to Adam and Sharon's, uh, pairing? I guess it's Shadom, although you guys have a, another name that you prefer.
2: I call it Shatham, but but Sharon gets all crazy and gets all sounds like a wizard and calls it Shazam.
0: Yeah, I like Shazam's fun. <laughs>
2: you think it's fun. I think it, I think I sound like a wizard if I say Shazam. That's or something. Kind of
3: superhero-like.
2: <laughs> You're crazy, girl. You are crazy. Um, yeah, well, there's a huge reaction, and I know that there's the reaction is on both sides of the coin. You know, there's people who just want to, like carry that little that little airplane vomit bag around with them, and then there's other people who, you know, <laughs> they just float on air about it. Uh, and I think, again, if you can have a controversial character, if you can have a controversial relationship, you know, you have to really look at the definition of the word controversy. You know, it, it it's a good word, especially in the world of drama and entertainment, because... With controversy, you have a lot of people fighting for something and cheering for something and wanting something, and then you have a lot of people who are fighting against that and don't want it. And I think it makes it can make for some interesting debate. Uh, it can be a hot topic kind of a thing. So you know, we're we're aware that we have. Um, That that you know, I come into something where I step into the world of tradition, where there was this Shik relationship that's been for years, and there's a lot of old school people that want to hold on to that. There've been Shik fans who let go of that and moved on with Shadam. There's others who haven't. Um, You know, there's there's a lot of dynamics here, and what I like about it is that it's a it's a hot topic issue. And at the end of the day. Sharon is an actress, and I'm an actor, and we want good scenes where there's going to be things we can play that, that are very multi-layered. And over the years now, we've been able to create more and more layers and have that much more controversial background with one another that, that uh, you know, there's a lot to play in any scene. We can have a scene where one of us runs into the other just getting coffee, and there can be a lot there in that scene. So that, it's that chess game that I love to play uh, with any actor that I w- work opposite from.
1: Well, let's put it to a test and take a caller really quick who'd like to speak to you guys. We're going to go to Canada and take a call from Cheryl. Cheryl, you're on Subcentral Live.
0: Oh, hi. Hi, Michael. Thanks for taking my call. Hey, Cheryl. <clears throat> hi. Uh, you guys actually pretty much answered all my questions talking to Signe and talking to Sharon. <laughs> so uh, I just kind of wanted to, wonder, to keep wondering the last few episodes we've been watching, just like is there anything that would make... Adam happy? Like, Newman Enterprises, would that make him happy? Or is there one thing that would sort of make him turn a corner in terms of his grayness? Or? That's a good yeah, question. That,
2: that's a good question. That's a really good question. Um, I think at this point in time, I mean, it's, it's funny. I have a running joke that I'll tell people that's uh, like a funny joke that has a laugh at the end, uh, so don't, don't set yourselves up for something gray here. But, um, <laughs> They don't call dramas on prime time and the, the soap dramas on daytime. They don't call them happies. They call them dramas, you know, and so there is no happiness. Uh, and if it is, it's short-lived, uh, because you have to have conflict, you have to have drama. So sort of what makes him tick isn't, um, isn't getting happiness. It's the pursuit of happiness, um, and what he thinks will make him happy. And I think that in a lot of ways where he can be flawed is thinking that something's going to Going to bring happiness into his life, and so he pursues it and finds that it leaves him feeling empty still, and so he's constantly looking for happiness and sometimes shoving away the thing that would make him happy in his life, and he's not even realizing that's what would ultimately make him happy and I think you know um there's those times where there's that push pull with sharon um and adam and and you know what's going to make them happy? Is it being together? Is it finally being apart and just uh you know so 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 i think it's that ongoing journey of of finding happiness i i think that i could write a whole book about what adam thinks would make him happy and probably every single chapter if he achieved every single one of those goals he'd end up summing up that it didn't make him happy it wasn't what he was looking for so it's it's that journey that i think is really important
1: well, I want to uh, thank Sharon for calling in since you originally planned to call in with a silly question and we sort of roped <laughs> you into a, a more serious discussion. so We got all serious, Sharon. <laughs> let me give you a, a chance before we let you go if you have um, a message, a year-end or a holiday message that you'd like to share with your fans.
3: Um, a holiday message? I don't. Well, you know, I'm just looking forward this year to spending time with my friends and my family. I'm not traveling. I really just wanted to be home and have great... Time and quality time with my family. I'm really looking forward to this year more than any other year. I usually travel and I can't wait to get out of town and I just feel differently this year. But I'm really into the holiday spirit. And I'm you're supposed to it. come over
2: to my house for some eggnog, remember? I'm
3: coming to your house for eggnog! <laughs> Yay! Um,
2: so, Sharon, I meant to tell you this, and this is a good opportunity to just throw a quick plug in for you. Um, but I got a f- some fan e- e- emails, and uh, one of them mentioned that she had she was wearing some earrings, some big dangly pomp earrings from your pump ah. line, and she said in this email, and I will quote it: she said, "I got literally dozens of women at this Christmas party, that her office party, asking about those earrings. Where do they come from? I want those, and blah blah blah." So um, before you go, you should probably promote your Pomp line.
3: Oh my gosh, thanks for telling me that. I love stuff like that. I love to hear that because I I forgot to tell you you to work. It's so great to hear when somebody likes it. Um, Okay, well, I'm going to, then I'll I'll plug the line. Pomp, we have our second season of Pomp coming out. It's a little bit different than the first line. We're doing it on our own website, and the name of the site is SharonCaseJewelry.com. Nice. Yay! Thanks, Michael. <laughs> sure. I hope you, you all, owe all me enjoy one, it. <laughs>
2: you hi, oh yeah. Um, well, I'll see you. Uh, I'll see you Monday at work.
3: Okay, I'll see you at work.
2: Thanks for calling in, hon. Thanks,
3: right, Sharon. See you later. Bye, everyone.
2: She's such well, a
1: sweetheart. I love she, her. You know, it's. Uh, I've had the opportunity to speak to her before, and we actually were talking about the the line of jewelry she had uh, something at the Emmys that I called the abacus. Um, that <laughs> we tried to make sure everybody could get their hands on. So this is great that she's continuing her line of jewelry and then she'll be selling it on SharonCaseJewelry.com. Yeah, definitely. We are, uh, amazingly, we are uh, almost done with the hour, and I want to try to get some of these other folks who are still on the line. Uh Let's go over to New Jersey for Mimi. Mimi, welcome to Soap Central Live.
0: Hi. Oh, my God, i so nervous.
1: Hey, Mimi. How are you, hon?
0: I'm good. How are you?
2: I am good. Yeah. I'm just uh kind of enjoying enjoying being able to interact with some folks. I feel awful for all the people who aren't you know, aren't getting through and waiting and all that stuff, but it's it is nice to uh to be able to chat with some folks. How are you doing? Cool. Uh, is it cold over there in Jersey right now? Yes, yeah, freezing. It's
0: supposed to snow tomorrow. Oh man. I that. I heard, but... Oh my God. um somebody and asked my question already. So I just I just wanted to say I love Adam so much. I love you. I'm so happy. So we can play him.
3: I've been watching since '96. I was four years old. I'm probably like the youngest fan so online or whatever. But I, hey,
2: that's good. We him. like we like youth. You got it. We got to keep them coming. You know.
0: Yeah, and, my friends. My friends take on me. and They're like, why do you watch so
2: long? Like it's so addictive. <laughs> It so is. Many. I think I've got. I've got my parents addicted to the, to soaps. They didn't watch soaps, obviously, before I joined, and now they're addicts.
1: I know. How Maybe it is. this is your chance. Do you have a question that you've always wanted answered?
0: Um, if you could play any other character, who would, who would it be? Uh,
2: Fortunately, I sit in a position um, on this show where there's not a single other character I'd, I'd rather play than my own. I mean, that's a really, really good position to be in, to, to come into work and say, man, if I had my choice, I would play um, Adam Newman." So I'm kind of lucky that way. Um, it's a good question. If you could play someone on the uh-huh. show, who would you play, Mimi?
0: Um, Tracy.
2: Tracy. Yeah,
0: Tracy Bregman,
2: love- or, or Tracy the character. Well, we might have lost Mimi. Oh, we lost her. Well, we got well, Tracy. We know that much. <laughs> we've
1: got that. That <laughs> actually leads into a good question that we have from Amphia on Twitter, who wanted to know, since that's your, your happy playing Adam and don't want to play anyone else, are there any other a- uh, actors or characters that maybe you don't get a chance to interact with as Adam uh, as often as you'd like? Well, I
2: know I, st- I stick with this Jeannie Cooper thing, so I might as well just make it a theme all the time, <laughs> you know, trying to trying to write in some make-out scenes with her, get anything going I can. Um, I just, I really do always appreciate uh, legends and um, icons of of the industry. And, you know, I have the good fortune of of acting opposite to Eric Braden quite often and um, occasionally Melody Thomas Scott. Um, but I would, I would like the opportunity to have some scenes with Catherine, but I just don't know how you could get those two interacting without them really kind of butting heads. But then again, that might be exciting to see, you know, two people who are going kind to of back off of the position that they hold. Um, but, uh, yeah, she, she would be the one that I would definitely uh, like to work with.
1: Well, we keep bringing up Victor. Um, I guess we should let folks know that he's waiting on the line actually he's not that would be too much to ask for but yeah (laughs) the only
2: reason i know that's not true is because for the first time in his entire life he called in sick to work uh today he is he has an awful flu and and i will take this opportunity to say that i know there are ideas of what eric Braden is like out there um both good and bad and whatever the guy is a marshmallow on the inside he's a pussycat um he since day one took me under his wing um you, you know, introduced himself to me, had me in his room, and and we chatted. And uh, we, you know, he's he's a very opinionated person, and he's got a strong personality, as do most actors, um, or successful people anywhere in any industry. Uh, and I appreciate it and embrace it. But he's been, you know, you you see these scenes where we stare each other down, and there's there's this you know, the fireworks and the, the challenging and whatnot. I mean, he couldn't be more embracing of what I do, and you would think that people like Josh Morrow. And Eric Braden would not appreciate me coming into the, the show because I'm treading on their territory and I'm challenging them and it might make them look bad or weaken their position or whatever. They relish the opportunity as actors to, to tango with someone and do it well. As, as, as long as the scenes are good, who cares? And, uh, you know, he's been, he's been really, really gracious with me.
1: Well, Michael, we only have about two minutes left, and one of the things that uh, I know from reading about you is the fact that you are very active in helping to raise funds for pancreatic cancer research, Mm -hmm. and I wanted to let you know that as a thank you for being here today, since this is show 101, and since you were supposed to be here for show 99, but we had to bump you because of the holiday, we're going to be making a $200 donation in your name to the Hirschberg Foundation for Pancreatic Cancer Research.
2: Wow. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's kind of ironic, isn't it, that I've been involved in hosting the 5K, 10K run here in L.A. E- each year for, for years, and then I join a show where my mother, Hope, dies of pancreatic cancer. It's uh, art imitating life, imitating art. Um, my uncle passed from it. It's an awful cancer that's way, way underfunded, and you know it's not as glamorous and as well-known as some of the other cancers in the fundraising. So, It's one of the most fatal. You're told you have pancreatic cancer. You got a 98% chance you're dead in 10 months. No questions asked. No help. Mm. Sorry. And Steve Jobs, with all his money and all uh, everything that they could do, he could not fight it off and died of it. So, so it's a cause that's really close to my heart, and um, I really appreciate the donation. That's very, very cool of you. I I raise money on Twitter for it every year before the run. So anyone listening. have $5, 10 $20 ready if you can around uh, fall of next year, because I'll be tweeting about it at, uh, at Michael Muni on Twitter, um, and folks can make donations. We raised a lot of money this year on my account, and um, it, was, uh, it was quite an honor, so thank you.
1: Well, Michael, I want to thank you. Uh, I see my clock here is flashing to tell me that we need to wrap it up, so I want to thank you so much for spending this last hour uh, with me and with the fans, of course.
2: Sure. Well, thank you. appreciate the opportunity.
1: And that is going to bring us to the end of this week's special flashback edition of Soap Central Live. I hope that you enjoyed listening to the interview with Michael Muni from December. 2011. If you'd like to listen to more episodes of Soap Central Live, some of the ones that we've done in the past that may have slipped under your radar, there are a lot of them. There are more than 230 episodes. They're all available for free. You can download them at soapcentrallive.com in our archives. You can download them or stream them. If you prefer, you can go to iTunes and subscribe to our podcast automatic download subscription service, which is also free. Go to iTunes, look in the podcast section, search for Soap Central Live, it will be there, and every new episode will automatically be delivered right to you. I don't think you have to do anything. Just push a button. It's kind of amazing, and then you can listen. We are going to be back next week. August. I almost said October, but it is still only August. August twenty second, 2014, with a brand new live edition of Soap Central Live. It'll mark the return of Teo Pengliss, who will be back to talk about his memoir, Places. The Journey of My Days, My Lives. It's available now. You can order it on Amazon in a physical copy or you can download the Kindle version and we'll be talking about it next week. So, if you read the book, you can be part of our discussion during our live show. Call in and talk to Teo. Maybe ask him questions about the book. Or, of course, Days of Our Lives or General Hospital. will be a lot of fun. We're also working to finalize getting Chriselle Staus and Galen Gearing here on the show. We've had some scheduling issues in the past. Hopefully, we will be able to make that happen and have the battle of the hashtag couple names once and for all right here on the show. I'm looking forward to that. There are also some surprises coming up in the weeks ahead. We even have a new project that we'll be talking more as fall draws closer. But until then, thank you so much for listening. Thank you to all of my guests, all of the listeners, everyone who downloads the show in the archives. This is Dan Kroll signing off on another edition of Soap Central Live. Have a great week, everybody.